Hello there, I'm your host, McNeil Mulliken, and you are listening to the McNeil and Friends Podcast. Here I invite different people to talk about all topics relating to cinema. Visit the McNeil and Friends Podcast website at www.mcneilandfriendspodcast.com to learn more about the podcast and where you can find episodes. You can support the McNeil and Friends Podcast by following or subscribing on the platform you listen to podcasts and by leaving a rating or a review. You can also support the McNeil and Friends Podcast by telling your friends, and if you don't have any, you can tell your family. Thank you for listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Season 4 of the McNeil and Friends Podcast. Throughout the season, I'm going to be talking about new movie releases, topics relating to the new releases, and fun random topics pertaining to movies. As always, I'm inviting friends via Zoom for all episodes. Today, I'm here with my friend Kurt, the host of the Top 5 Film Dive Podcast, and we're going to be talking about our Top 10 Favorite Tom Cruise Movies. How's it going, Kurt? Good, buddy. Very excited about this discussion. We have been sitting on this topic for a while now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this. I'm glad to have you back. Thanks, um, man. Thank you. Pleasure as always, buddy. So. so this episode came to fruition because I listened to an episode that you did mm-hmm. on, um, I think it was movies from 2002, and you yep. mentioned Minority Report. So yep. you uh, you said you felt like you were on this lonely island for being a <laughs> Tom Cruise fan. And I let you know immediately. I was like, dude, yeah. I am a massive Tom Cruise fan as well. And yeah, I think it was in the biopics episode that we did on my show. Yep. Um, a little bit ago and in that episode we decided to do this one so we are now bringing this episode to you guys um but obviously you know people have their opinions on tom cruise as a person Mm -hmm. um i honestly don't care about the personal lives of any actor (laughs) um i just you know i just like movies of actors that i like um so uh you know tom cruise has about 40 movies and we're going to give our top 10 list of his filmography and i have a fun rapid fire section uh, you know, question section uh, segment plan for the end of this Beautiful. episode. Awesome. But before we get started, be sure to follow or subscribe to the McNeil and Friends podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a rating and review if you want to help support the podcast. You can follow the McNeil and Friends podcast on Instagram at McNeil.and.friends.podcast. Message me on Instagram to let me know what your favorite Tom Cruise movies are. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at McNeil Mulliken, Letterboxd where I post the movies I watch and write reviews. Also, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Twitter. Lastly, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Patreon. Support this podcast by becoming a patron if you so desire. All of this information can be found on the McNeil and Friends podcast website at www.mcneilandfriendspodcast.com, and you can find a link that will take you to all of these locations in the description of this episode. So, Kurt, you said you had one honorable mention, right? I did. I did. And you know what? Um, out of all Mr. Cruz's movies, I believe this movie actually has the lowest Rotten Tomato score. And I know for a fact that he wow. won, he won uh, the uh, worst actor of the year <laughs> that year uh, at the Razzies, the 1989 Razzies. And that movie is Cocktail, and I stand behind it, damn it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. It's like a guilty pleasure movie. Also followed by my number 10, which is a guilty pleasure movie, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, that, I'm not even going to get into it. Uh, other than uh, Tom Cruise playing a very uh, extrovert, uh, very egocentric, uh, very charismatic bartender with Elizabeth Shue. Sign me up. I'll watch it any day that it's on TV. <laughs> that is one of the few, very few Tom Cruise movies I haven't seen. It's um, atrocious, but it is so good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I have four honorable mentions, and I feel like some of these might be in some people's top ten. There's just some that I really like and may not be in some people's top ten lists. Um, But I have Collateral in here, uh, Top Gun, which my mom's going to kill me for having this and only an honorable mention. I can't wait, actually. Let's, okay, keep going. Okay. Um, Mission Impossible, the original. Okay. And Born on the Fourth of July. Those are my four honorable mentions. Cool. Okay, so jumping off that then, I it's not that I don't like Top Gun. It's not that I don't like Tony Scott. I love Tony Scott as a director. I enjoy Top Gun. I don't get the hype over it. I'm not even that pumped about Top Gun Maverick, and that is my number 10. Only because I do like it, and I think it holds some sentimental value. And as your mom is probably going to be crap about, I feel like it's our parents' generation that's in love with this movie. Yeah. And yeah. that love did not transfer over to our generation. That's it. Yeah. I know a couple <laughs> people my age that yeah. really, really like it, but yeah. I didn't watch it for the first time until like early 2020, I think. Okay. Like right when COVID hit was when the first yeah. time we actually, I actually watched a uh, Tom Cruise movie or not Tom Cruise movie, Top Tom Gun. <laughs> I had seen plenty of Tom Cruise movies before that. You've binged 40 Tom Cruise movies in the last couple I did years. binge a lot over the past like year, but um, yeah. But Top Gun was like we we started watching some Tom Cruise movies right around when yeah. COVID hit just for fun, and Top Gun was was one of them. Cool, cool. and I hadn't seen it before that point. Oh, around in time. Christmas? No, it's like right right when COVID hit. So oh, like right when I guess COVID like sorry, March, sorry. April, twenty twenty, gotcha. something like that. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, man. Um, I don't I, like. Don't get me wrong. A fun movie. I've seen it twice in my life. Top Gun's it's it's not a bad movie. Um, I <laughs> uh, I think that there's a lot of uh, just baby oil and sweat and, and, and for, for yeah. anybody watching it i mean with the ladies i understand why they love it i mean kilmer and uh i don't know who, anthony edwards who plays goose and and cruise but yeah you know what it's it's one of those like okay cool you know hopefully the sequel's a little bit better in my eyes but the sequel looks cool like i know tom cruise yeah. got everybody to like actually fly these fighter jets yeah, yeah. and so i was like cool like anything with cool stunt work i'm down mm-hmm. so as he's gotten older it, i think uh, based on our list and we're probably going to talk about this quite a bit um <laughs> he's just gotten more and more mental when it comes to the stunts and yeah. i love it like i just want to he's see like Tom. the only guy doing that like the the older he gets I the crazier the stunts go oh and i love it Same. um jumping off a point that you said in in your opening there um i'm a massive tom cruise fan and i stand by that statement tom cruise and and, and we've also discussed this on on your show and on my show tom cruise makes movies for movie fans Tom Cruise is not about critics anymore. He did that. And there's a few movies on my list here that like, uh, again, we're, we're, you know, swinging for the fences with the Oscar nominations and the Golden Globe nominations and stuff. And he got that out of the way. And then he realized what he's really, really good at. And he's now stuck, not even stuck in that lane, like in a bad way. He just stays in this like epic action adventure genre that I love and I gobble up and I'm really excited to talk about a lot of these uh, because like a lot of them hold really 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 not only sentimental value but like it's just they're for movie lovers and and that's what I'm all about man that's totally what I'm about yeah I feel like he's like he makes movies because he genuinely loves it and I feel like he puts all all of his effort into it he just you can tell that he's a passionate guy when it comes to the movies that he makes and that he just enjoys it and so and it, and it shows and I and I really like it yeah. um, for the most part like obviously he's got some movies that really suck but he's oh, made yeah. 40 movies and the majority of them I say are pretty good or, or at he, least decent you know there's some turds don't get me wrong there's oh yeah some turds totally in here. and like totally. going through the list I was like oh yeah I forgot he was oh I forgot he was in that one too oh I hated that <laughs> one but yeah. like the majority man like 
75% of this list is like super entertaining and I am all yeah. about being entertained. I don't, I don't care. Totally. I, I, I not to kind of, uh, uh, kind of get off topic here. If I look at a year like the last one we had, and understandably there was a lot that came out. Um, I've realized that as I've gotten older, I've become less and less about like what the critics are in love with and like what is, you know, the top kind of award-winning movies. And I lean more towards these like fun, big budget, still smart action and adventure yeah. and, and sci-fi movies. And and this is this is his wheelhouse, man. It's it's totally it's, it's so much fun to see how this guy has um, adapted to the industry and, and uh, just changed as an actor and as an individual. So Yeah, and I feel like a lot of these action movies that you're talking about like really started like Top Gun, which you were talking about yeah. your, your yeah. number 10. But, um, yeah, man. but yeah, I mean, I feel like we might be kind of like in like the odd man out position with having Top Gun, like for me and my honorable mention and for, for you, for your number 10. Because a lot yeah. of people, it's like all these lists I see online, it's like number three, number two, number one. Agreed, and, agreed. Yeah. But I feel like you kind of had to have that you had to be in that generation to grow up with it and have that nostalgia, which I don't have yeah. the nostalgia for it, but I still like, you know, I respect it. It's a good movie. I yeah. enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah. And um, I think that's why it's just not my favorite. Time. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And like, I really respect and like what, what it did, um, not only for Cruz's career, but for Tony Scott's career, like it, it's, it's a, a very important movie for both of them. Um, yeah. and I respect it. Like you said, that's the best way to put it, man. So what's your number 10? I mean, I'm, I'm interested now what didn't make the cut and the mentions. <laughs> so what's sitting at 10? My number 10 is Jerry Maguire. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's a, you know, it's a fun, entertaining movie. It's yeah. uh, kind of a rom-com, but also just kind of a drama. And it's got, you know, Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger, and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Hmm. And they're all great in their roles. I think they all have, like, great chemistry together. And hmm. it tells a really compelling story about success and self-growth. And, you know, it is Tom Cruise, you know, just kind of playing hmm. one of those egocentric type yep. guys. But, you know, like that's what he's good at you know he's good at yeah. playing those types of characters and it works and yeah. um you know i think it's it's a fun movie it's you know not like the most conventional rom-com so i think i kind of enjoy it from that standpoint because it's not like you know stereotypical rom-com mm -hmm. and it's just you know it's just a good movie good story and uh i think it's one of his easier movies just to put on and watch and it's not like Agreed. obviously yeah over the top with the action or anything like that because you know it's not an action movie it's just mm -hmm. you know it's just a good movie yeah um, I agree. so it easily comes in my number 10 for cool, me. Man. Very cool. So good, solid pick. Yeah. We might so, get back uh, to it later. We'll see, kids. Cool. We'll see. So. What is your number nine? Nine coming in. Um, <laughs> You know what? And this is one of those films that um, I, I think is highly debated uh, as to uh, the number of awards it won, its depiction of uh, a particular population. Um, but Barry Levinson's... Uh, Rain Man. Uh, That's I, my I, number I, nine. Is it cool, yeah. man? Yeah. You know what? It's one of these movies that, like, I think has aged. Um, I think it's aged well. A lot of people yeah. don't like it nowadays because of really? again, obviously Dustin Hoffman's portrayal. Um, I think this is Hoffman's one, of, if not Hoffman's best performance, one of his best. Totally performances. agree. But, but like, this is when Cruz is in that like late 80s era where like he's really trying to prove himself as like a really good actor yeah. and like get not only get, get away from like these kind of like you know um sci-fi action romps and like he just kind of sticks this in the middle right after if i remember correctly the color of money um and like he's yeah. fantastic in it man he's so good um 
it's obviously kind of a I would say at the core of it like a heartfelt we're supposed to be at least a heartfelt kind of brother story family story Um, and it still gets me when I watch it man it still totally gets me when I watch it I still get like really emotional Um, I think it's really well paced Um, it's it's one of the better movies of the sorry one of the better like best picture winners of the late 80s Um, and yeah I I, again I, I have nothing uh, but good things to say about Rain Man. Haven't seen it in a couple of years, but it, it still holds a very good and high place in my heart. So, yeah, I totally agree with you that I, I feel like this is Dustin Hoffman's best performance of what I've seen, at least. It's actually like one of my personal favorite performances. I actually had an episode where I talked about my top 10 favorite performances of all time, and that one, I think, it, I'm pretty sure it was in there. Um, but yeah, he's great, and Tom Cruise is good. You know, like, obviously, he plays, you know, again, <laughs> the egocentric just jerk for a while but like i think the difference with this one is that he actually has like a redeeming character arc by the end and he becomes a likable guy absolutely he starts off as this you know total douchebag and then becomes a guy that you can just you know like all right cool you know he's got got a good arc yeah Um, yeah yeah um and like you know what the i think in a year especially 1982 i i don't remember exactly what it was nominated against it was the highest grossing movie that year and i think that goes to show also like uh, next to Top Gun, like Tom Cruise can really carry a movie. Yeah. Um, not just an action movie, but like, again, like a dramatic film. Uh, and, and it's one of these movies that like kind of gets brushed under the rug in regards to his career, even yeah. though it's one of his highest grossing movies, um, which is which is nuts to think, right? So, yeah, it's cool. That's very ironic. That does sitting at number nine for the both of us. So, great movie. Great movie, guys, if you haven't seen it. So, yeah. Um, so what's your number eight since we both had uh, Rain Man or number nine? All right, well we're on a roll here, buddy. Yeah. Uh, between Top Gun and Rain Man, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna jump ahead a few years, and uh, this movie uh, I remember going to see it opening night. I, I think it might have even been a midnight show before they started doing like the early Thursday shows. Yeah. Um, and this was like a dream pairing of mine when like young Kurt was really getting into film. Uh, the, the meshing of Spielberg's Spielberg's directing and then Cruz is like superstar actor. Nice. Bravado uh, slips in the number eight in war of the worlds. Like I still watch war of the worlds and like, the graphics hold up. Um, the, sorry, pardon me. I should say this. Oh, you're going with War of the Worlds. I'm going War of the Worlds, man. Oh wow, I I, that's love... not where I thought you were going. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, okay. Where did you think I was going? The other Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg mashup. I'm, I'm, bra- I'm having a brain fart. Which one is that? Minority Report. <laughs> oh, oh, we might, we might get to that. <laughs> um, no, I'm talking about War of the Worlds, man. I'm talking okay. about War of the Worlds right now. Um, ironically enough, yeah, I guess that was a couple of years after. Yeah. Um, yeah, War of the Worlds. I, 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 what a great sci-fi movie! Like, I love alien invasion style movies, and like, Me too. there's just an anxiety-inducing effect that this movie has every time I watch it. Um, again, kind of like one of these like post nine eleven like kind of uh, I guess for lack of a better word like mementos where like the idea of like this you know uh, catastrophic event is happening and nobody has really any answers as to what's going on and like yeah. it's just nerve wracking from. I'd say within the first like 10 minutes of when things really start to pop off right until the end. Uh, pacing's great, but again, Cruz steals it, man. And this is, I would say him at kind of like the height of his, of his power in like those kind of like mid two thousands. Right. Where like, yeah, again, it was hit after hit after hit. Um, and, and again, Spielberg's directing is, is top notch. Uh, I, again, if, if we were to do an episode on top 10 Spielbergs, this would probably actually be near the top for me. Uh, Whoa. I love, I, I love this movie, man. I love it. <laughs> I, so, I the, enjoy the ending, 
the ending, but yeah. everything else about it, fantastic. So I enjoy that movie, like for what it is. Like yeah. I like alien invasion movies as well. Yeah. My favorite being probably, well, if you consider Arrival, that's not really an invasion. Yeah. But I, I would say Arrival, but like from the action standpoint, I'd go with Independence Day. Cool, cool, um, cool. But War of the Worlds, it's fun. I totally agree with you. It's very mm. anxiety inducing. It's very mm-hmm. nerve wracking. It's just suspenseful all throughout. Yeah. I just, you know, it could have been an it could have come kind of close to being an honorable mention if it weren't so generic at times like and Fair. the ending like i don't know the ending just kind of rubbed me the wrong way but Fair. i still enjoyed it like i still had a good time with it it was just i was like kind of wanting a little bit more out of it i guess but fair fair and i, think I still like it a lot of people said about it is like i remember when we left the theater it was my best friend and i and we were like 15 maybe 16 at the time and like he was incredibly underwhelmed like he expected like this grandiose like and, and like I, I got it. I it scratched my itch in regards to that kind of like big sci-fi action, you know, things blowing up type of way. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's a movie that like a lot of people again talk about because like the the third act is, I don't want to say anticlimactic, but the ending is that one thing that like leaves this sour taste in most people's mouths. Yeah, um, it was just kind of like so. You thought his son went, you know, died, <laughs> but then somehow showed yeah, up and like yeah. this his like the people in his family or like somehow the only people that like have it together at the end of all this and it's like but didn't everything just get like destroyed and (laughs) i have so many questions i don't understand what's happening have morgan freeman talking about the germs Uh, that's not that's not a good one let me try that again hold on hello i'm morgan no that's not a good one michael kane was better (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying guys i used to do really good morgan freeman i haven't done it in a couple of years i'm 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 a tad behind i'm a tad behind the michael kane one i at least pull it once a week so i'm still on top of that one nice (laughs) uh what's your number eight my number eight i okay so i'm a huge mission impossible fan like it that okay. is one of my all-time favorite franchises oh, okay here we go and this is one that i think people would generally have a little bit higher than me and for my number eight i'm gonna go with mission impossible ghost protocol okay <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah if it's on your list like tell me and then we can uh-uh. we can go talk about it later but no um, i want you to talk about it i want you to talk about it okay so okay. this will not be the last of the mission impossible movies we hear from me okay um so we've we've drawn that line in the sand that's good yeah to know. Okay. This one is awesome. This is actually the first Mission Impossible movie I ever saw. Um, I didn't see it in theaters, which I really wish I saw that Dubai scene in, in IMAX. That would have been sick. One um, of the best theater experiences I've ever that's had. That's what in my I life. always hear from people who saw it, it in the theater. Is I was mental. It was one of the few times in my life, like I was holding my breath during a movie, and yeah, like, I can imagine uncomfortable. Oh man. Uh, keep going. I, I'm terrified of heights, so when I watch this movie, <laughs> like I, I'm like on the edge of my seat. Oh, but actually, I'm at the opposite. I'm like hunching back in my seat because yeah, yeah. I, I'm like terrified that he's gonna fall. <laughs> and and um, I mean the stunt work is just great, and it's where they took the stunt work in the Mission Impossible movie to the next level. Agreed. And it, that Dubai sequence is forever iconic from just an action standpoint. Yeah. Plus, it added new characters with uh, you know, it made Simon Pegg more prominent in his role uh jeremy renner came um Mm -hmm. into the scene added more backstory for ethan hunt um my the reason i can't put this one above some of the other mission impossible movies we'll talk about later Mm -hmm. is because i feel like everything after the dubai sequence is more is is on the underwhelming side because it's like you built up to something really cool and then you couldn't 
surpass that. I agree. So yeah. I think that holds it from being uh, slightly better than mm-hmm. some of the other Mission Impossible movies. Plus, the villain of this one is just like probably the worst villain in the whole franchise. It's funny you say that. That is something I actually had written down. I find that out of all six movies, he is the weakest villain. Yeah. Um, and I forgot his name. Uh, it's an actor uh, who was in the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series yeah. in Sweden. Um, it's going to elude me, but I'm not going to look it up. Because uh, he hasn't <laughs> been really in anything else besides yeah, that, yeah. right? Uh, besides, I should say, besides that series. and then besides I've seen Ghost him in something Protocol. can't really think. It's like, you know, it's just the... That was a very forgettable character. Yeah, yeah, and then like I again, kind of a one-off villain, um, it, and like it's funny because in every other movie I could tell you what the in every other Mission Impossible movie I can tell you what the villain's name was. Yeah. Um, in this one it's just like I'm I'm not even consumed about like I couldn't even tell you what his what purpose he was, bent was on and yeah. what his purpose was. All I think about and all I remember is the three action sequences that that really stand out in that film. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the movie. Um yeah. it's it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it is quite the best Mission Impossible movie. And I know some people would disagree and Agreed. that's totally fine. But it is still a fun movie and it's my number eight. Um so what's your number seven? All right, buddy. So I'm going back to one of yours there, my friend. Um, and I have very fond memories of this movie. I think that this film put um, this film put Cruz in like a different, like shined a different light on him and, and put him in like a different kind of um, character that like, w- I guess at the beginning of the film, we're kind of used to him, like kind of being that arrogant dick, um, <laughs> yeah. like very egotistical. But man, Jerry Maguire, every time that I watch it, it just, it, it, just gets to me. Um, the the dynamic between him and Renee Zellweger is fantastic. The one-liners, I mean, God forbid, I don't know how many times I've screamed, show me the money in my show life. Show me like, the money! <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, it's a movie scene that we all know and we all love. And again, we, we attribute back to, like, one of like the standout moments of like Cruz's career and yeah, um, yeah I, I adore it Cameron Crowe's a great director I mean there have been some misses in, in his career as well but I think that this film along with Almost Famous are those two things that like as a writer director yeah. stand out on his filmography more than anything um, yeah it's actually tough for me to decide which one I like better Almost Famous or Jerry Maguire for, Almost Famous is one of your favorite movies is that correct have we had that conversation before or am I mistaking you for something else no, I actually just watched it for the first time like the other day. <laughs> oh, my bad. Okay, I'm thinking of somebody else I must have talked to on the show too. All right, all right, all right. I thought Almost Famous was in like your top 10. All right. Well, I'm tired, McNeil. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Jerry Maguire, I dig it. It's um, it's one of those roles that like, again, uh, very much like Rain Man, almost like the same trajectory as Rain Man, where like you start off like not liking him. Yeah. And you understand like why, you know, people kind of, don't like him and like why he's kind of perceived in a particular way and then he just he wears off on you man and like yeah. you learn to love the guy he's got a great heart um, and listen McNeil you complete me <laughs> <laughs> shut up just shut up <laughs> you had me hello <laughs> alright moving on <laughs> Guys, if you can't see this, he's horribly uncomfortable on the camera right now. <laughs> What's your next pick? My number seven, I feel like we'll probably see this one on your list a little bit later. But I don't know because you kind of just forgot about it like a second ago, which is Minority Report. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, okay. yeah. I was kind of surprised by how much I liked Minority Report because it's not really talked about very much. And because of that, I just kind of thought it was going to be average, another average dystopian movie. Um, but I think it's one of 
Steven Spielberg's best. It's a great dystopian movie. It's an awesome sci-fi movie. And it has such an interesting concept of these, you know, it's like basically like this agency that, you know, has this technology where they can, you know, see a crime before it happens and they go to stop it. It's just a really intriguing concept. And with that comes lots of running, which is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so there's lots of action, but not like stunt work necessarily, just a lot of the running. Um, yeah. But it's a really unique looking movie too because of the you know it's got like this um it's got like this really weird color correction going on really weird lighting i don't really know exactly how to explain it but it's it's really interesting um plus it's got a really cool ending it's like you know it's somewhat ambiguous i guess kind of leaves some room open for interpretation i guess but yeah i think it's uh i don't know i i was i started it i started watching it one day and i was like okay kind of generic and as it kept going on i was like I, I became more and more interested as it went along and i was like yeah movie impacted me so um cool minority minority report uh, that was a really fun movie i i don't really know many people that actually like it though which is I, I like people it. online like it but the people that i actually talk to have seen it they don't yeah. like it so i'm like i'm like yeah. so who actually likes it are these people online lying <laughs> <laughs> in my eyes it, well even i guess when it came out which was 2000 yeah yeah 2002 it on paper it should have been this like monumental like tom cruise and steven spielberg hit um and like it's funny because even last i think it was last year or the year before somebody wrote an expose piece on it on um how influential and like how important of a movie it was but it wasn't and like again in the film community it's one of these films that like a lot of people love and a lot of people adore and like it it's gotten legs the same way that a movie like Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, has gotten. Yeah. In, in the same vein as like Blade Runner, neither Blade Runner nor Minority Report were gigantic hits and they were like expected to be. And over time, they've gotten that like kind of not necessarily cult following, but like they've catapulted themselves in that discussion as like these very important science fiction movies. Um, yeah. And I think that that's that's a very important thing to note uh, because at the end of the day, like. When you look at, again, ironically enough, another Philip K. Dick uh, adaptation, Blade Runner and, and Minority Report, um, there are these things that, like, have kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, like, etched themselves not only into, like, the the film world, the science fiction world, I should say, but also, like, the story and, and, and novel world, right? Like, they come from undoubtedly probably one of the most important science fiction writers of all time. Um, but the point I was trying to get at is, like, you know, you've got... The, the grounds and you've got the makings and, and this like fantastic piece of so can I just jump to it this is my number four by the way it's not my all time favorite cruise movie but like mm. I adore this movie like I love it um, and like it was so underappreciated and for years I've been talking it's genius and like trying to convince people like no this is like a really 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 good movie um, and yeah a lot of people it just kind of falls on deaf ears like a lot of people yeah. don't like this movie um, and that actually goes to uh, I would say my number six kind of falls in the same vein and it's one of those films that like has gained more and more traction as the years have gone on and on and on so but, so uh, what i'm curious so what is your number six edge of tomorrow again a movie that didn't do well in the box office and just made more didn't make as much money as it should have and as it hit blu-ray and as it hit on demand it mm-hmm. just got more eyes onto it and people are like wow like this is a fantastic movie, i feel like man. i'm one of the so. few people that doesn't like edge of tomorrow <laughs> really yeah i was so okay i feel like you have to be a i don't know if you're a video gamer but i feel like you have to be a video gamer to like yeah 
kind of enjoy Edge of Tomorrow because yeah. I felt like I was watching a video game the whole time and I was so bored. <laughs> and really? I was like this. I mean, and obviously it is a repetitive movie, yep. you know, just because, it, you know, it's repeating the same thing over That's and over and over. Yeah, and yeah. so I was like, I, I'm 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 sick of this. When, <laughs> when is it going to end? And then there were these like weird looking alien creature thingies. And I was like, um, this, these don't look real at all these lobes look really bad <laughs> i i you know what and like there's arguments to be made there and i think the special effects I, let me actually rephrase this the, and i don't know if it, to all the listeners out there this is based on a novel and i'm gonna screw up the name of the novel all you need is kill by hiroshi sakurazaka pardon me um and it's a it's a manga it's essentially like a like a long uh yeah graphic novel pardon me mm-hmm. um the the monsters in I should say the aliens in the novel are almost cut and paste from page oh really to yeah to to, to screen which is really cool and that was I, if I'm correctly hearing this in a, in a um in an interview uh, that was one of the things that director Doug Lyman really wanted to do was to honor the original um, uh, manga that makes and, sense. Like, yeah. I, I love it, man. Like, it's one of these movies, again, like, it didn't, it, it cost so much money to make. Like, it cost Oh, yeah, it looked really dollars. expensive. And, like, it's one of those things where, like, it didn't make as much money as they, it only, I think, made, like, just under $100 million, like, stateside. Oh, um, wow. And box office-wise made $370 million. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is it was looked at as a flop when it first came out. And then, like I was saying, once it hit on demand and once it hit um, Blu-ray, all of a sudden, like I said, people started getting more eyes on this thing, and people fell in love with it. And it was a movie that I yeah. saw in theaters, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I came into this expecting nothing, and like I love it. I absolutely love it. I think Emily Blunt's fantastic in it. The action, yeah, she was and good. The storytelling is the pacing is great. Um, but this is again like Cruz starts out the movie as this like completely unlikable guy, and you want to see him get killed. And as the film goes on and on and on, he just turns on his Tom Cruise-isms, and it's like, yeah, man, like, you are, you're, you're my guy. You are my He was really different, though, because he was playing, like, this, like, guy who's kind of unsure and, like, didn't have the skills necessary to, like, do this job, yeah. which was very unlike any Tom Cruise character, because anytime you watch his character, it's like, okay, so he, you know he has the skills to do something, you just may not like the character in, yeah. at, at, right up front. But in Edge of Tomorrow, he was like this guy who's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. He just kind of showed up. was like, wait, like, what, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> and then, like, kind of you know, goes to figure it out. But it was like this whole movie's like, respawn, respawn, respawn. And I was like, when is he going to respawn for the last time? <laughs> I um I I think it could have shaved maybe 10 to 15 minutes off of its runtime. That would have made um, me happy. <laughs> like it's coming it's clocking in at two hours or like just under two hours um, yeah and i think it could have been maybe like an hour and 40 maybe an hour and 35 and gotten to the point i <laughs> gotten to the point um but yeah i just i enjoy it i i love this movie i absolutely love this movie. It gets yeah better i mean i know i'm in the minority it, so. here so i know a yeah. lot of people really like edge of tomorrow which is fine i just it, yeah, it just i don't know it wasn't my cup of tea I rambled about but, that one. I'm sorry. sorry, no, sorry. <laughs> I got excited about that one. Uh, what's your number six? My number six. I wonder if we'll see this one on your list at some point. It's uh, A Few Good Men. Interesting. I have never seen it. Really? Wow. never seen it. But you know the famous quote from it though, right? Yeah. Um. You can't handle the truth. Yeah. Uh, no. What is it? What is, wait, no, hold on. I screwed it up. Hold on. So. No, that was it. Uh, no. What's, what's Cruz's lead into that though? Oh, I, I don't remember. The truth. Oh, you yeah, can't yeah. handle the truth. <laughs> and then Nicholson's vein pops out of his forehead. Oh man, dude, oh, Jack Nicholson. Sign me up. Jack Nicholson, so. Tom Cruise are both two of like 
Yeah. Some of my all time favorite actors. And I mm-hmm. love seeing them in this movie. They had a very interesting dynamic. And it's just like in like from a historical standpoint, in the case of cinema, mm-hmm. it's just interesting that Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise actually ended up crossing paths and ended up being in the same movie. And um I, I don't know, it's it's different for Tom Cruise because it's you know, it's like a courtroom drama. Like on paper it's like Tom Cruise, courtroom drama. Like if somebody were to put that out there today, it'd be like, He's doing that? He's not like going to space. <laughs> yeah, and I think. But back then, that, it like, made sense. You look at that like late '80s and then early '90s Tom Cruise stuff, and I'm just gonna pull up his filmography here. And I know he was all about the dramas longer. back then. Yeah, man. Like, you and it had worked. Color of Money, Rain Man, Born on the Fourth of July, Far and Away, A Few Good Men, and The Firm, and that's a five-year streak. And like, yeah, that those four years between '89 and '93, where he does Born on the Fourth of July far and away a few good men in the firm is like this is him trying to be like no guys like again you know i showed you that i could be like a top-notch like dramatic actor in brain man i'm gonna keep doing it i'm trying to phone in the uh, like these oscars and like again he does it a little bit in like the late 90s as well um and it doesn't necessarily work as well but yeah a few good men's like like you said a movie that if he released now I'd love to see him in like that Nicholson role, but like, oh yeah, that'd I've be cool. Nev- I've never seen it, and I don't know why I've never seen it because you should check it out. It's so a plot. Like everybody I know who's seen this movie loves it. Like, yeah, it's it's it. great. It's like I honestly think this is one of Tom Cruise's best performances, just from like a dramatic acting standpoint. Like hmm. in his top three, easily mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. from and like in that standpoint of acting, just like a dramatic performance. It's it's really good. Um, I need to rewatch it. It's been a little while since I've seen it, so it's not entirely fresh in my mind like some of these other ones are. But it's I really liked it. Like it was um super interesting, had a really good story. Um, you know, it kind of kept you guessing throughout the whole movie and um I, I think it's one of the best courtroom dramas just from like a, any movie that I've seen. It's it's really good. Aaron Sorkin read it, man. And Aaron Sorkin seems to love his courtroom dramas or yeah. his quasi so, quasi courtroom dramas. Um, now that I'm looking at it, like you've got a few good men, social network, which has like that kind of dramatic courtroom yeah. side to it. Uh, and then trial of Chicago seven, which I, I think is going to win an Oscar to this coming Sunday, even though I don't want it to, but you know, it's still probably going to do that. <laughs> but, uh, have you seen it? Uh, I have not seen that one. No, mm-hmm. I didn't really watch a ton of movies came out in 2020 to be completely honest. It's on, it's on Netflix and like. I enjoyed it. It's a little fluffy for my liking at points. It's a Sorkin movie. And like, I think if you're going to compare it to a few good men, um, I can't, I can't even say this with like confidence because I haven't seen a few good men. Mm-hmm. This is like a crowd pleaser type. Sorry. Trial of Chicago seven is like a crowd pleaser type of like courtroom drama. Okay. Where like you have those like couple moments in the movies where like, if it had been in a movie theater and if it had to come out in theaters, people would have like stood up and cheered type of moments. Right. And like, I don't know how a few good men is in comparison to that, but like, again, I don't think a few good men would be quite there with their, you know, like standing up and applauding, fair. but it's, okay. okay, it's, I don't know. A few good men is more of like, it's, it's, it's gripping. It's, it kind of, you know, keeps you guessing, puts you kind of on the edge of your seat at times. wondering like what's going to happen next because there's all these twists and turns that happen throughout. Fair. Um, there's not necessarily like a, grand finale i feel like if it were to be re-released <laughs> okay. into theaters like people would just start jumping up and cheering when jack nicholson says you can't handle the truth <laughs> just because everybody knows the line <laughs> but yeah I, I love nicholson with a buzz cut too uh, that's, uh, yeah that's it's one pretty of the, the funniest pretty hilarious i've never seen it i'd never seen it until i just i watched that one scene and it was like 
Oh wow. Okay. No, I, I get it. No, I get it. that was like, <laughs> kind of like point in his career where like he just lost all his hair. Anyway, yeah. I'm not one to make fun of that because I'm losing my hair. Kids don't <laughs> make fun of people. Um, what am I on now? Am I on six? I'm on five. You're on five. Yeah. Oh, Halfway man. point. Okay. So here is here's a weird little anecdote for everybody. Number five. This is the film that made me fall in love with Martin Scorsese. Okay. So it wasn't Goodfellas. It was this because Goodfellas when when you know. 10 to 12 year old Kurt saw Goodfellas for the first time he was a little bit like appalled and didn't know how to handle all the cocaine and all the things that go on in the movie Goodfellas um, but The Color of Money directed by Martin Scorsese uh, starring Paul Newman which he won an Oscar for Best Actor we're not going to get onto that topic but <laughs> Cruz and in this is just on fire like full cylinder like full guns ablazing, all cylinders going um, again like one year after Top Gun came out, if I remember correctly, or two, maybe. I don't know. Let me double check. Pardon me. Same year, couple months apart. Holy crap. Okay. Um, but like, this was like, again, that introduction to like Cruz in the 80s being able to like get out of his comfort zone and like start doing some dramatic stuff, but like just being so charismatic, but like arrogant and obnoxious at the same time that I love this film. Like, it's, it's probably in my top 25 of all time. Um, Whoa. and I don't know what it is. Yeah, man. I don't know what it is about it. I think I just had this like weird adoration for it because it's, it's Scorsese doing what, like not what Scorsese does best. And it's just so different with like, no, I don't want to see with like no real like substance to it because it's horribly rushed. Um, and like it's, it's two hours on the dot. And I feel like it's one of these movies that probably should have been like two hours and 20 minutes. Um, but again, that's neither here nor there in regards to the writing. I know it's based on a novel, but, um, I guess for anybody who's not aware of it, it's basically a follow-up to the, uh, 1959 movie, sorry, 1961 movie called the hustler with Paul Newman reprising the same role. And now instead of Newman being the young guy in the pool circuit scene, like the nine ball pool circuit scene, he's the mentor, um, he's the mentor and a man. It's so good. It's, it's phenomenal. It's a fantastic movie. Again, like I said, uh, if I'm looking at it from like an acting standpoint, would I have given Cruz a supporting actor nomination or sorry, award? compared to Newman's best actor yeah 100% I would I would have given one the acting award over top of the other one but that's uh again about 36 years late so I'm not gonna have a good say in that one but anyways <laughs> I yeah man. I like that movie for the most part mm. I was super hooked in the first two acts yeah. and then the last one I w- I became really bored and I was like fair fair I was like uh <laughs> yeah there's not much happening anymore. <laughs> and it was, yeah. I don't, I guess I see what you're saying with like, it, it could have been two and a half hours. Hmm. I was thinking the other way around because I feel like it got slow at the end, but I guess that makes sense if you think, like, if I'm saying there's not a lot that was happening there and if it should have been extended and that could have fleshed it out more, I guess that does make sense. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, very unlike any Scorsese movie that I've seen and I've seen a handful of them. Oh, that's why I love it, man. Like it, it's so Goodfellas is my all time favorite Scorsese casino is followed very closely by that. Um, our top two are no, or are, are not similar we, whatsoever. We, about that. we did. Um, yeah. And then like Shutter Island and then probably this and then the departed. So, and the only reason I didn't put this in my top five a couple months ago and I, I made the post <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> uh, was I just forgot about this film. I totally forgot yeah. about it. So, but, uh, yeah, man, no, I, I, the color money. I love it again. It's like just a criminally underrated movie. 
um, and, and a criminally underrated Cruise performance. So I'll yeah, I would definitely say it's one of the Tom Cruise movies to watch, like from a just like a dramatic acting standpoint, not yeah, like the yeah. big action spectacle. Just yeah, you know, just yeah. like an actual acting performance. Really, yeah, yeah. it's really good. Uh, number four, dude. Five. Sorry, my yeah, apologies. Five. five. So <laughs> this is one that's like people are going to be really caught off guard by because it I, I don't see it in anybody's top 10, but the people that I have talked to actually really like this movie and say it is... Give it to me. I know what it is. It's, do you want to guess? Last Samurai. No. Oh, okay. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. What is it? Jack Reacher. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this in the, the trilogy talk the other day. We did? Oh, you yeah, had, yeah. I th- we discussed I think, it I for like a split second. Yeah, I yeah. think it was after we were recording, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Dude, Jack Reacher is such a criminally underrated just action movie because, honestly, like watching this movie, like if you want to compare Jack Reacher to something like Jason Bourne, James <laughs> Bond, Die Hard, Jack Ryan, John Wick, he could take out a lot of them, I think. I really do, especially James Bond, especially, well, I think it'd be close with him and Jason Bourne, I think he could, I think he could beat Jason Bourne, he could beat John McClane, he could beat Jack Ryan easily, John Wick is one where it's like, uh, he could, John Wick I feel like would just kill him with a pencil, but I think the main difference and the reason I really liked Jack Reacher is because it focused on the story rather than just the action, like a lot of these movies focus, like take John Wick. Super yeah. stupid story. It's all about the action, and that's awesome. Don't but you Jack talk Reacher, about that dog being murdered that way. <laughs> There's nothing stupid about a puppy being murdered in cold blood. But killing you know. like five hundred thousand people just <laughs> for his dog. Like, come on. What would you do for your dog? <laughs> Maybe not like kill everybody on the planet. <laughs> not gonna pull Jack, a Punisher. Jack um, Reacher. Sorry. <laughs> Jack Reacher. I feel like the story and the action were balanced rather than one of them were focused on the other one more than the other. Very I, I don't point. know. And Very good point. it was, you get to understand his character, you get to understand his process and his morals and just kind of where, like his his psyche, his mindset. And I feel like that makes him more intense because you never really know when he's going to snap. And when he mm-hmm. does snap, it's like, holy crap, I do not want to mess with this guy. Like he's intense. And it's like, I did not see Tom Cruise, the actor, I saw Jack Reacher. And I don't, I feel like I might be the only person that feels that way, but there is good action though like you know it does have a great story but the action when it does happen like it's good and i think i read that tom cruise actually trained with christopher mcquarrie's brother who was a i guess an ex-navy seal wow and he helps with a lot of like the fight choreography on any wow. movie that christopher mcquarrie directs and tom cruise like actually trained with this guy cool. which is not surprising because tom cruise does literally all of his stunts <laughs> and i don't know i just feel like the style and the story are equal and Jack Reacher, and usually it's style over story for most action films. And mm. also, I think Christopher McQuarrie is an extremely under under uh, underrated action director. He so is underrated. phenomenal. And so then when so they brought underrated when they uh, got rid of him for Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, it was like I, I I don't even know what I'm watching anymore. That was like the worst sequel of all time. I haven't seen it. It's funny you mentioned that. Don't I, even I, bother I, with it. <laughs> I, I pulled out of it, and I was actually going to go see it in theaters. I think it's on its opening weekend. Um, and then when the reviews started coming out, like how much worse of a movie is? Well, I shouldn't say much worse because again, the first one's actually like they got positive it's got, reviews. It's got positive reviews. Yeah. Um, as soon as they started discussing like this is like a complete step down from the first movie, I was like, ah, you know what? It's it's not even on my radar anymore. So I'm yeah, not bother. This I, I I heard the second one was crap. I watched it and I was mm-hmm. like, 
this is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it's so bad. Plus, I mean, and that director, um, I forget his name. Leave my mm. brain for a second. Edward something. Um, Zwick. Zwick. Yeah, Zwick. Yeah, Edward Zwick. The He's not a bad director. The Last Samurai. Right. That's a, that's the crazy thing. It's like he and Tom Cruise have another really good mm-hmm. movie that we I'm, I think we'll both be talking about in a little bit. Perhaps. Um, and it, you know, it was just shocking that movie was so bad. But uh, Jack Reacher, the first one, is it's it's great. It's got a great story. It's suspenseful. It's got good action. And I think it's one. I think it's comparable to like the the Jason Bourne, James Bond, John Wick movies. The first one, not not the second one, but the first one is really really good and it's easily my number five. Coleman. Good call. Good call. You know what? I'm going to go back and actually give the first one a, another try then. Do it. I think that uh, I haven't seen it probably since it came out. So 2012, I think. Yeah. I think it's 2012. Maybe. Yeah. So we already discussed my number four, and I think I rambled about it, about Minority Report. Again, a movie I love. Um, yeah, not much else to say about it, man. Like, I, I dig Minority Report. Guys, if you haven't watched it in a while, give it a rewatch. Like, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And it's aged really well. Like, really well. The color palette, the direction, the action sequences, the pacing. Like, it's a the fantastic movie. <laughs> you know what? You don't know. So, you get Colin Farrell doing a lot of running as well. Yeah. Um. So, what is your number four then? Keep going. This was actually your guess for what my number five was, which is The Last Samurai. Ah, oh, dope. Let's get into it. Yeah. Okay, this okay movie... so that's my number three. Okay, cool. So we can just talk about it at the same time. So this movie is awesome. I am a sucker for historical fiction, and I think Last Samurai wonderfully executes the purpose of historical fiction, which I think the purpose of that genre is often overlooked because it's a genre that's not meant to depict a completely accurate story. It's meant to tell a story that's engaging enough that it makes you want to learn about the historical events and the setting of which the film is inspired. And I think that's what Last Samurai does. And it and it I think it deserves credit for doing that for being a historical fiction film that is so captivating it makes you want to learn about the historical context of the movie and that's the purpose of the genre and I feel like you know it did it really well plus it's like it's so different for Tom Cruise it's like yeah. it's like yeah. in that same genre as like Braveheart and mm-hmm. Gladiator and that type of thing where there there are these big action just battles just these like a it's a war movie. And it's one of those types of it's in that genre where it has just beautiful cinematography. Hans Zimmer's score is criminally underrated in this movie. And oh, I forgot he did that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, he does yeah, yeah. everything. He's like right yeah. up there with like John Williams. Um, okay. But you actually told me to watch Last Samurai because I was like, I've heard about it, didn't really like know much of it. But you were yeah. like, dude, you got to watch it. It's so underrated. And I checked it out. I was like, this movie's awesome. Yeah. I um I, I adore this movie. I remember it like at that time it was two thousand three when it came out, and it was it's very like you said very different from like the crews we had kind of come to know, especially coming off of again like Minority Report and Mission Impossible two and like Jerry Maguire Mission Impossible two and Mission Impossible. <laughs> Don't you talk Mission Impossible? Oh, I'm not Mission Impossible two. Well, it's not on my list. We'll talk it, about it. It's and, your number and one. The, let's be honest. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, man, like, it's just like, again, one of these period action dramas or period drama films with some action in it. Um, and it, it tells a story that's like very unique and the pacing is really good. Edwards. I, lo- I love Edward Zwick, um, as a director. Uh, yeah. He, he also, also did, um, did blood diamond, which I, I really like I, again, a, a criminally underrated movie. And yeah. like, one of these things that like is such a great showcase of, of a, 
A-list actor. I would say is Jaiman Hansu is fantastic, and Leo's obviously steals the movie. Yeah. Um, but like, Last Samurai is is one of these films that like a lot of people really disliked when it came out. Yeah. Um, and like it still went on to make four hundred and fifty six million dollars at the time. So like it was clearly like a box office hit globally. And it's again one of these films that like of his is just kind of fallen off, and nobody talks about it. Um, and it's it's wonderful. It is it's really heartfelt. Um, again, you start off. It does the Tom Cruise thing again. It starts off with him being a dick, and you don't yeah. like him. <laughs> and, like you really don't like him. Um, and like he is is a complete drunk, and like it every unlikable quality and by the end of that film man and i'm not going to ruin it for any of you who haven't seen it it is just a a gut-wrenching emotional finale uh that like still makes me cry every time and like i adore it ken watanabe i i think he was he got great nominated for, fantastic he got nominated for best supporting actor if i remember correctly at the oscars that year um and like deserved all the praise again what a, what a fantastic one two combination for your two leads so uh yeah man i i can't say enough good things about this movie so yeah it, i i really enjoyed it i think it's it's like into consideration of like war movies I, I i love it in that sense and you know it's like i said it's in that kind of genre of like braveheart and gladiator um i don't know that those types of war movies where it's like it's just so much like not lore obviously because it's you know yeah historical context but there's a lot of world building there's a lot of just history and it's really rich and um you know obviously it's taken out of context because it is fiction but i i I really like i just really enjoy historical fiction i think this was a really good example of that genre can i read you something really quick and this came up and as i was doing some notes beforehand so in 2014 it got discussed as a part of a article on white savior narratives in film. I read about was, that. Yeah. And it was one of these things that like it, it, it stuck out and, and David Sirota, pardon me, uh, that was Kelsey Goff wrote that for the Daily Beast. And David Sirota wrote the exact same thing about the fact that like um, it's a not so subtle message encouraging audiences to wrongly perceive the white guy and not a Japanese person as the last great leader of an ancient Japanese culture. Now, I am not here to argue with anything that neither Kel- Kelly Goft or or David Sirota at Salon.com wrote or Salon Magazine, whatever. I am here to watch a movie and to shut my brain off. And I understand that there are some hugely incorrect narratives in this movie but that does not make it any less entertaining of a movie braveheart another example and you just mentioned this of a movie that's so historically inaccurate that yeah like i am a scottish person who's visited those 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 areas that the film essentially uh parts of the film were, were um uh, filmed in and in my head i'm like i know that majority of this is wrong like this is completely not correct but right. that doesn't make it any less entertaining and if there's one thing that tom cruise is good at um, it's again, it's grabbing you and getting you to fall in love with a character or a narrative um, that might not necessarily be even even remotely honest. Um, yeah. And it's it's still great. I, I love The Last Samurai. It is his it, it's his. You know what? No, I'm not going to say that because my number one pick is his criminally underrated masterpiece of a movie. But Ooh. we'll get to it. So, yeah, I, I wonder if it's the same. Interesting. All right. But uh, to piggyback off what you said, I, I feel like, again, like The Last Samurai Again, like very historically inaccurate movie, but I was so interested in the story that I wanted to go learn what it was based on. Hmm. And like, I'm just kind of a history buff. I, I enjoy cool. you know reading about history, and cool. I went to go read about it. 
and you know I, I learned about like how totally inaccurate it was but I feel like that's what that was the purpose of the movie it was like here's an entertaining movie go do your job and, and learn about what it's based on you know it's just a movie you know it's just a movie and there's a <laughs> I'm not gonna say the line uh, I presume you've never watched a, a Chappelle show episode in your entire life Paul Mooney Paul Mooney is one of the greatest comedians and comedy writers of all time um Paul Mooney is this like brash, very vulgar uh, black comedian. And he makes a joke about The Last Samurai. And guys, if you can YouTube it, just put Paul Mooney, uh, Tom Cruise, The Last Samurai. And you will laugh very hard at this man's commentary on this movie <laughs> and where he, <laughs> he goes and where he thinks, you know, they, they should write a sequel to it. Uh, but it's really, really funny. It's one of the things that like makes me think about um, it, it. Thinking about this movie always makes me think about that commentary on it. And yeah, I, I just I laugh at it, but I shut my brain off to it. Last Samurai is a fantastic movie. So. Yeah, I love Last Samurai. Yeah. So that, that was your number three, right? That was my number three, buddy. Yep. So num that was your number four, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's your so three? my number three? Jumping back to Mission Impossible here. Oh, here we go. Here Mission we go. Impossible, Rogue Nation. Really? Yeah, dude. Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation was actually the first one I saw in the theaters. Okay. Um, so okay. in that sense, is really nostalgic for me. Um. I think like like this one takes everything there is to love about Ghost Protocol and makes it even better, and I'll make that same argument for another Mission Impossible movie in a little bit. But the stunts mm -hmm. in Rogue Nation are just insane. Like it opens up with him strapping himself to a freaking plane and just hangs on as it takes off. And I'm like, what? Yeah. It's like one of the coolest opening sequences ever. Plus, then he goes underwater, is like actually holding his breath for like however many minutes, like five, six minutes. So anxiety inducing. Yeah. Oh my god. And then there's, like, talk about anxiety-inducing, that motorcycle sequence. It's like... Yeah. He's just, like, oh, yeah. twisting and turning and, like, knee touching the ground. It's like, holy crap. And then I think one of the coolest sequences in this entire movie is that opera house scene. That is a phenomenal scene. Oh, I think yeah. that actually, like, aside from the, the opening plane scene, that might be my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, but I think my favorite, like, just aspect about it, not from, like, a stunt standpoint is the addition of Rebecca Ferguson. I love her character in this, and 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 just the franchise. Um, I love Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> I, I do too. I, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the, I think she's like the only character that's able to actually keep up with Ethan yeah. Hunt. Which like, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like she can kind of outperform him in, in ways. And yeah. Which is just cool because you didn't like, before Mission Impossible 5, it's like, nobody can outdo Ethan Hunt, and then they yeah. bring her character in, it's like, okay, so she's comparable to Ethan Hunt, like, they're they're equal, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, plus, I think Solomon Lane is a good villain, not the best in the franchise, yeah. but yeah. he is a good villain. Um, but yeah, dude, Rogue Nation, I, I, I absolutely love, I love that movie, for sure. It's funny that you say this. Okay, so I'm gonna jump ahead then, um, and I'm going to steal your answer. Now, I didn't want to put any more than one Mission Impossible movie oh, in I didn't, my countdown. I did not follow that rule. <laughs> I know, and that's cool. And like, I forced myself to get out of that because I thought to myself, I was like, okay, I know that I could put at least three, maybe four in this 10, but I, and I, I cheated a little bit. So my two is Rogue Nation in a double feature with Fallout. The second Fair I enough. finished Rogue Nation, I... Oh my god Rogue Nation uh, I, I watched twice in theaters Fallout I watched three times in theaters It's one of only three movies That I've ever gone to see In theaters three times um, 
And I don't know. On some days, I like Rogue Nation more than Fallout. And some days, I love Fallout more than Rogue Nation. Um, these are like his swan song action movies. And I love them. Like, they are, again, They're from, awesome. from, a standpo- from a standpoint of like weak villain writing, this has always been this kind of whole series and like franchises Achilles heel at this point I don't even care like I'm like oh Solomon Lane yeah okay he's you're a decent kinda, villain yeah you're, you're all right you're okay you're not you're not the the most re- like remarkable or memorable part of this entire film um and then obviously he plays very big into uh Fallout um and Fallout again too is like not well written in regards to the bad guys um guys if you haven't seen it yet i'm gonna spoil it for you it's it's henry cavill um and that was kind of obvious from the from the get-go even in the trailer i was like cavill's the bad guy guys oh yeah bad guy yeah and my friends were like yo shut up like no he's not i was like quote me now yeah he is totally Um, he's got a mustache he's a bad guy (laughs) (laughs) he's got a bad tom Selleck mustache he's the bad guy um But, like, it's the action, man. I want to be entertained. I want to go into something, and I want to sweat a little bit, and I want to, like, see something and and be just mesmerized by visually by what I'm seeing. And yeah. either of those films – and Ghost Protocol is close. Don't get me wrong. It, every, any one of the Mission Possible films has their standout action uh, move, moments, I should say. But it's these two that – Again, I remember the theater experience, and I'm still anytime I put them on, especially Fallout. I love putting Fallout on in the background. I'm I'm so glued to it when it's it's like on, and I'm always finding something new that I love about it. Uh, and yeah. again, the action sequences are always that one thing that stands out. But yeah, man, my my co number two is is from from the Mission Impossible franchise. My number two is also one. Fallout. So oh, dope. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The Fallout. I mean, Rogue, Rogue is... Nation of Fallout. Oh, God. yeah. So good. So. They're, they're awesome to watch just back to back. I think they're both just awesome yeah. yep. action films. Like, yeah. especially Fallout from a like from a stunt standpoint. Yes, it's it's has never been topped. There, like, yeah. the, there's the Halo jump sequence. The he learned to fly a freaking helicopter. Um, he climbs that rope hanging on underneath of the the helicopter i mean it's just extremely well choreographed and then i love the bathroom fight scene in mission Impossible oh fallout with with henry yes. cavill and and tom cruise against whoever the other guy was um it's, it's, it's awesome sometimes oh same i've done that i just like i go pull that scene up on youtube like this is dope same same yeah before i get into a lot of bar fights before i argue with my girlfriend i'll just put that mission impossible bathroom fight scene on and then i'm pumped and then i'm ready to go <laughs> and then i'm all like okay let's go what do we got to talk about the, the dishwasher's got to yeah. be unloaded not today <laughs> <laughs> i think one of the other really cool things about fallout is that i think it's like one of the only few movies in this franchise that actually kind of like ties together the like events of multiple movies that took place before it yeah i think it does that really well and i honestly thought it was going to be the end of the franchise there but then they said no we're coming back for seven and eight and i'm like okay let's do it i'm down <laughs> i uh yeah i'm looking forward and it was kind of a bummer that they just announced that um uh whatever mission possible seven is going to be pushed i think until what no may next may. year november next year yeah it's may, may right? next year 2022 i should have known that because i just sent you that email about the the movie draft oh yeah, yeah. May 2022. <laughs> my birthday may 2022 kids oh my god yes oh so that's oh. coming out on your birthday that's you know, coming out so it was coming out my birthday next year is the batman 
Oh man, what? Oh, <laughs> well, okay, so it comes out cool. March fourth, but the you know like the Thursday night is March third. That's my actual birthday. So well, I'm May twenty sixth, and this is May twenty seventh. It just counts. It's the same. Yeah, day, yeah. I, I have a two day birthday. Logan came out my birthday. That was Whoa. awesome. And you didn't cry at that, eh? No. Really? No. Nope. That, that was my number. <laughs> <laughs> that was my number four last week, and I'm like, yeah. gut wrenching, heart wrenching movies. Uh, there was water. Um. <laughs> I'm excited. I don't know what your number one is, man. You're gonna. Catch I don't me know what your number one is gonna be. You're gonna I, I know. Me off your number one. I, I thought I knew, and, and and when you were making the list, I was like, okay. And you've already mentioned the one that I thought it was gonna be in your honorable mentions. So now I don't know. What did, what did you think it was gonna be? I'm not gonna tell you. Okay. So all right. So go. <laughs> tell me your number one first, and we'll, then okay. we'll get to mine. Um. Okay. So this film. Um. Listen, I think it's a very important piece of of uh, filmmaking, um. But. Magnolia is no, I'm kidding. It's not definitely not Magnolia. Guys. I'm joking. <laughs> it's definitely not Magnolia. Uh, Some people are going to be very disappointed that you said I, it's not Magnolia. I, I know that. I know that, but that's okay. Night and Day, starring Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise, is is one of the greatest films of all time. Um, You're still joking, you, <laughs> right? <laughs> watching your face just be like, he's kidding. He's kidding, right? No, it's actually it's the mummy, right? That almost came in at number ten. All right, so I'm just gonna be honest with you. That's not even me being sarcastic. Like I usually am with you. It, I love the mummy. It is so bad that it is so entertaining. Like it uh. is bananas. And Jay Johnson in a supporting cast is this like ghoulish, like spirit that that basically is trying to guide Tom Cruise. Oh, sign me up for a sequel. So, but unfortunately, it did so horrible that we'll never get one. And they really they actually ditched a whole universe. Um. Anyways, my number one. Uh, I went to go see this. Oh God! I think in the drive-in uh, years ago, and I went into this in the double feature. Actually, I have a very fond memory. The double feature with this was Anchorman. Now, okay. That being said, uh, Anchorman is obviously a, a movie that is uh, very different from Collateral. And Collateral, I was, was wondering if you're going to go with Collateral, movie, the second movie playing, and I remember being glued. And now I hadn't watched this movie in a couple of years, and like I probably threw it on at the start of COVID last year. And my girlfriend had not seen it. And the both of us were were floored. This is Tom Cruise at his best in a different type of movie where, like, you don't expect him to be this cold-blooded murderer. Yeah. And it is so addicting to watch. And, uh, man, I love Michael Mann. He's one of my favorite directors. This and Heat are easily in like my top 25 like ever like i i love collateral heat heat i still think is my favorite action thriller of all time i love bank heist movies and and heat's up there yeah but like there are days where like heat and and collateral will kind of flip-flop between like what's my favorite michael mann movie i think jamie fox is like a complete office in this movie but he's fantastic uh again what a great year for jamie fox that year 2004 he had ray and then he had collateral yeah and he and he got year uh, essentially like a, a, a best actor win for Ray. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, he got a best supporting actor nom for Collateral. Wow. Um. Yeah, which is wild. But wow. man, Cruz steals this. Cruz steals the show. The pacing of it is fantastic. Cruz is completely cutthroat. Um. This is again one of those movies that like was like a modest success, but like no one ever talks about how good. Yeah. This nobody movie ever is. talks about Collateral, and oh, I, I actually and really I like it. Love it. And the only reason I put it at my honorable mention is because. I, I I need to rewatch it. I feel like if I do rewatch it, it could make my top ten. Yeah, yeah. But it would it wouldn't be my number one. Um, but it would it could easily probably come into my top ten. 
Cool, man. Yeah, I, I like this has been my favorite cruise movie for a very, very long time. Um, even before like I had that rewatch, like I ha- I hold this on a pedestal. Uh, the pacing is like frantic yeah. and anxiety inducing. And then as the story kind of irons itself out, like at the start of that second act, after Fox finds out like what Cruise is actually in town for, oh man, like electric, such a like a well done action thriller. I need to check this out again. Set I gotta check in it out Los again. Angeles. Michael Mann is the best director at showcasing how cool of a city and how slimy of a city Los Angeles is. The best part of the entire movie is Paul Oakenfold playing in the background at the Asian Club and Tom Cruise literally going off and doing two in the chest, one in the head, two in the chest, one in the head to everybody that comes across him in the club. Oh, fantastic action movie. Guys, if you haven't watched it in a while. I gotta watch it again. I really wanna watch this now. One. One of my favorite neo noir movies, man. So, dude, I gotta check this out again. Oh, you know what? Electric. Honestly, so one of my one of the things I really loved about that movie is that it played uh, "Shadow of the Sun" by Audio Slave, and I was like, "Oh yeah!" I was like, "That is awesome." Yeah. Love yeah, some yeah. Audio Slave. Yeah. Um. All right. So my number one, you did. You know, you 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 did all the jokes. So that you with with which ones it actually isn't <laughs> your number one. So. You're you're gonna think I'm joking. I swear you're gonna think I'm joking, and I promise I am not joking. Can I, this can is, I guess? Yes. Vanilla Sky. No. Oh, okay. Okay. No. That would that would really would have caught me off guard. I, I like it. It's it's not <laughs> yeah. amazing. It's it's decent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're giggling. <laughs> it's Mission Impossible Three. Oh, dude, man, that's what's so unbelievable about that. That's a great movie. Everybody bashes on it. Ah uh, man, there's n- no movie in the fr- that franchise is is bad enough. It's not, there's not a bad film. It's there's nothing to be bashed. Every Mission single entry. <laughs> shut up! <laughs> shut up! Don't you dare talk about that. I love Mission Impossible. Oh, too. I love it. It's just so dumb. It is horrendous. Chimera and Persepha. Perle- Persepha. Oh, I'm gonna screw it up. Anyways. <laughs> Mission Impossible 3. Talk about that. I'm sorry. Okay. Dude, Mission Impossible 3. <laughs> I genuinely do not understand the issues people have with this film. Like, people go, Ethan Hunt was humanized. I'm like, what's wrong with that? Seriously. What yeah. is wrong with that? It's it's literally my all-time favorite Tom Cruise movie. It's my all-time favorite Mission Impossible movie. I don't think it can be topped. Um, I might, you know, I might have to come back and requote myself when Mission Impossible 7 comes out. We'll see. But <laughs> I like Mission Impossible 3 a lot because of the story. Like I said, it humanizes Ethan Hunt, and the story is the most personal for the character. Hmm. Plus, Philip Seymour Hoffman's villain is one of the greatest, is the greatest villain in the franchise, one of my personal favorite villains of all time. He's subtly intimidating. He's ruthless, knows how to get in someone's head. He's unsettling. Yes. But, like, in a calm way. Yeah, which is which so is, weird. Yeah. And my favorite villains are the type that are so methodical and yet maniacal at the same time. Yeah. That it seems like their like calm demeanor is just this like cover up for how crazy and I, I, perfect first person pops in my head. Javier Bardem in No Country for Old. Men, oh, yeah. Where it's like, yeah, that idea of like, you know, that this person is going to do whatever they need to do to accomplish what they want to accomplish and will get what will kill everybody in their way. Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman and this movie is the exact that. same way. Yeah. 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 It's it's awesome. I mean, his performance is phenomenal. And I actually yes. did a I did an episode with Tim where we talked about our top cool. favorite movie villains and cool. uh, Owen Davian played by Philip Seymour Hoffman was my number yeah. 10 in yeah. in that list. Um I think Mission Impossible 3 is probably honestly the most suspenseful for me at least. It's gritty. 
and I think it also did a good job of correcting the course of the series. Like a lot of people like to give credit to Ghost Protocol for doing that, but I give credit to Mission Impossible Three, honestly. Cool. Um, like right off the bat, there's a tonal shift where he's like, "We've put an explosive charge in your head," and I was like, "Yeah, let's go." <laughs> um, I mean, it's, and it's with the time jump because he's like, I think it's like six years after yeah. uh, Mission Impossible Two, and so I, it yeah. used that advantage to you know just putting the series on the right track. J.J. Abrams did a phenomenal job a job with doing that. Um, I think he's awesome. I think he needs to do more movies like this. And this was a great directorial debut on his on his part. He's he does really good with crafting like a thrill ride where you just feel like yeah. you're just on the edge of your seat, your seat the entire time. It's my personal favorite J.J. Abrams movie. Um, I would say so too. Yeah, my, mine as well. Mine as well. If we're gonna get into into J.J.'s filmography for sure. Yeah, I, I really like this one. I I like both the Star Wars movies. Um, so but, uh, they're entertaining. They're definitely yeah. entertaining. And I, I don't love I them, but they're entertaining. I haven't seen Super Eight in a while, but I could easily say that Mission Impossible Three is his is my favorite of his. Cool. Um, it's got great action, cool, you know, just like a awesome shaky cam. I like shaky cam when it's used well. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. I don't know. I think without Mission Impossible Three, the Mission Impossible franchise would would not be where it is today. Um, wow. And so just because you know, I think without it, like you would have had. Mission Possible too, and if you had something like that continue, I, I I just don't think we would have seen Fallout. Don't 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 do it. Don't. <laughs> I I like Mission Possible too. It's just so dumb. <laughs> they tried to make him James Bond. It didn't work. Um, but it is it's it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, but yeah, dude, Mission Impossible three. I I I love this movie. It is in like it's one of my all time favorite movies. I absolutely love it. Um, really. Oh yeah, totally. Like, let me see awesome. where it is. I think it's like number thirty in my cool top cool. one hundred or something along those lines. Cool, but, man. Yeah, I I love it. Yeah, you know what? I, from you know, so this is actually what I was writing. I, I think you saw you it's number twenty-seven. Seen, you might have seen my eyes going fidgety a little bit while we were, were talking here. If I had to rank the Mission Impossible films, and I'm going to do this very quickly because I was trying to and I dropped my phone without you uh, noticing. Um, <laughs> I gotta go. F- Fallout, Fallout, then Rogue. So I'm, this is in order: favorite to least favorite. Fallout. Okay. Rogue Nation. Um, <laughs> Mission Impossible Two. <laughs> Mission Impossible Three. Ghost Protocol, and then number one. So I would go, MI three at the top, followed by Fallout, Rogue Nation, Ghost Protocol, the OG, and then Mission Impossible Two. Fair. Yeah, cool. But cool. I still well, like all of them. I enjoy all okay. of them before they are. I enjoy all of them too. It's funny, actually. Uh, number one is having its 25th anniversary this coming month, man. Oh, which yeah. is nuts to think. That is which cool. Is absolutely nuts. It's older than you. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. By four oh, years. Man. Yep, I feel like a geezer now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, like even the first one, it's so um, like of well its paced. time. Yeah, and like it's, but it does, it's a movie. it holds up, I think. I think so too. I, it, it holds up as a movie of the '90s, but it's a movie that, if it was released now, with that exact same script and story and everything, not as a Mission Impossible movie, but as like just like its own spy movie, mm-hmm. it would still hold up with or without Cruise. Like it's a fantastic movie. Um, yeah. And like I said, it's it's not it's only at the bottom of my Mission Impossible list because I think on a comparative standpoint to like everything that we've gotten since that everything it's just it's one upped itself every time um yeah. and there are only you know uh the things like fallout for example comparative to like ghost protocol gross protocol is probably the the most memorable of the entire series for me personally as a viewer 
in theaters. Yeah, fair enough. But again, like Fallout and Rogue Nation are like things that I will throw back on when I yeah. just need to be like brain shut off, action movie entertained. Um, and that at the end of the day is the one thing that I, I always come back to and I love. So, Yeah. Um, okay, so I've got this rapid fire Boom. All right, question I'm excited for this. I don't know section. what this is and I'm excited. So just whatever answer comes to your brain. Okay. And, I, and, once, and once you give me your answer, I'll give you mine as well. <laughs> okay. Um, right. So favorite Tom Cruise character? Ethan Hunt. Same. Totally. Um, yeah, Ethan Hunt. Followed closely by Les Grossman. Which one was that? <laughs> you know? Tropic Thunder? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just forgot it his name. It almost made my list. It almost made my list, and I was like, I can't <laughs> even include it. such a dumb it. movie. I can't. E- I know it is, but I can't even include it on it. I was like, it's yeah, just not no. fair. <laughs> so. Yeah, I totally forgot his name, but yeah, that, that character is awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, Ethan Hunt for me, for sure. Uh, what do you think is Tom Cruise's best performance? Oh, best performance? Okay. Yeah. Um, that is a big, big statement of, or a question, I should say. I'm going to go with, uh, I, I have two. First one that pops in mind, Collateral. Okay. Second, though, and and the only reason I'm saying this, and it's not on my list because I, I don't enjoy the rest of the movie, um, is Magnolia. I think that he, his yeah, film- Yeah, that's a good one. Um, his- his his acting in that is is the thing that stands out to me in that movie when I rewatch it, and it's not an easy yeah. rewatch. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. It's for three God's hours sakes. as well. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's three. Yeah, it's tough. Hey man, this, you you were born right when like VHS was probably at like its peak. That was yeah. a double VHS at Blockbuster. Oh wow. Okay? <laughs> yeah, Mag- Magnolia was like a movie where like I rented it and I was like, why are there two movies here? Why it's going on? <laughs> three hours. Three and a half hours. <laughs> Anyways, continue. I'm gonna go with um, "Born on the Fourth of July" as cool. uh, Ron cool. Kovic. I-, I thought that was a really good performance. Cool, cool. Most overrated Tom Cruise movie. Oh, um, I'm gonna go with "Edge of Tomorrow." Fair. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Everybody loves "Edge of Tomorrow." I'm like, yeah. Ah, uh, man. Most overrated. What a tough question. I gotta go. <laughs> I can't say that though because it was on my ten. I'm going to go with, um, I'll go Top Gun. My God, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I can't believe I said it because I like it, but like it's overrated, man. Like I just, I don't, whatever. <laughs> sorry, sorry, mom. But yeah, I, I could agree with that. <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Most underrated. Collateral. I'd go with, uh, well, yeah, my number one, Mission Impossible 3. Sure. Close second, Jack Reacher, but Mission Impossible yeah. 3. Um, least favorite Tom Cruise movie. Oh man, uh, this actually is this is uh, <laughs> Rock of Ages. My God, what a turd! <laughs> I, I want to watch. I haven't watched it, but I need to see that just because of how stupid it is. Dude, don't watch it. Don't even waste your time. I remember it was like such a big to do when it came out in the summer of 2012, and I was working at a movie theater. But that came out like, in 2012 as well. And I was like, oh wow, this is gonna be like a really cool, like you know, kind of a translation from from the uh, what's called. Broadway to it was it's a play yeah. to to screen no horrible horrendous <laughs> he he doesn't even save it and he's probably the best part of the movie so wow yeah. I'm gonna go with Jack Reacher never go back fair I fair, I hate right. that movie <laughs> um <laughs> guilty pleasure Tom Cruise movie mm, um guilty pleasure Tom Cruise movie I'm gonna go with Interview with a Vampire which I just rewatched a couple weeks ago <laughs> it's horrendous it's, it's, it's so it's, dumb it's dumb but like him as Lestat and uh, Brad Pitt as I can't remember the name of the character. Uh, it, it's just it, it's it's a sweeping historical epic across like 
300 years and i love every second of it i, I love every stand second that of movie it. oh i love it i absolutely <laughs> love it it's such a it's such a, a good bad movie so i'm gonna go with mission impossible 2 fair fair okay i i, I have a lot of fun watching that movie and i just laugh Always. the whole time yeah so um okay you don't have if you don't know like your particular number here um just go with the ballpark but how many tom cruise movies have you seen how much is what's in his filmography? We said forty. Yeah, it's about forty. Thirty-two. Oh, I've seen I've se- thirty. I've seen thirty-two. If I go through this bit by bit by bit, there's only a few that I haven't seen. Uh, I can tell you them right now quickly. The only ones that I haven't seen: uh, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. Yeah, don't bother. Valkyrie, Lions for Lambs. Uh. I mean, I have seen Eyes Wide Shut. I just don't remember anything of it. It's really weird. Uh, the <laughs> Firm, A Few Good Men, and... Gotta watch A Few Good Men. Uh, well, okay, so Outsiders and Endless Love. So, yeah, I'll say uh, that's... I've uh, seen Outsiders. 30, 33, 33, so... Yeah. And last but not least, best Tom Cruise run scene. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um. Okay. Probably... I'm going to say him running away from the Kremlin blowing up. Sorry, let me try that again. Him blowing, him running away from the Kremlin, which is blowing up in Rogue, not Rogue Nation, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. And the only reason I say that is because uh, when you're seeing it on an IMAX screen, it looks so horribly green screen. (laughs) And the Kremlin at that time (laughs) was like so horribly digitally done. And it was like, Oh wow, that looks like like it just looks like he's just running in like a giant room with like a like a very bad like almost like early two thousands kind of graphics of a. I remember thinking it, it looked like a, a green screen for yeah, sure. It looks bad. Yeah, um, that that's probably my favorite Tom Cruise running. So I've got to go be- with the Shanghai scene in Mission Impossible Three, where it's just this one long take of him running down this and like it's not a hallway because it's outside, but it's like. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even know what to call it. He's just running down this one long path and <laughs> it goes on for like a minute. <laughs> I got I got to rescind my my thing. My favorite is um Tom Cruise anxiously and in, in panic running through the middle of Times Square in Vanilla Sky. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> when like he, it's so tom cruise like it's just like yeah it, it's it's what i what i picture where he's kind of got like his long like kind of shaggy hair but at that time like to film in Times square was like the biggest thing in the entire world yeah um and they completely cleared it out and that movie no matter how hard it tried was still just a heaping wreck and didn't make any sense but you know if you want to watch it. tom cruise panic run in a movie <laughs> you said you hadn't seen watch the firm Oh, okay. Well, see, maybe I got to watch that then. I might have a Tom Cruise weekend this weekend. I think I got to do a few good men, The Firm, and then maybe something I've already watched. Maybe Collateral, because that'll just wash my palate if I don't like Jack Reacher. So, Jack Reacher, never go back. (laughs) Actually, you know what? I'm just going to watch The Mummy three times over. (laughs) Good night, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This this was a lot of fun. Um, This was, buddy. Thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan of Tom Cruise as you are as well. Um, and I'm really, I'm really looking forward to mission Impossible seven and eight. And I'm really looking forward to the movie. He's actually going to shoot in space. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm just super stoked for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, with all that in mind, Kurt, where can people find you on social media? 
Oh, buddy. The top five film dive as usual. Um, uh, we're still pumping out. We pumped out an episode uh, on the weekend on Sunday. Uh, the top five cries. Uh, that was a good emotional, one. Real emotional. We touch on some feels. McNeil admitted to me that he's never cried in a film, folks. True story. True never story. had tears run down my face, but I've gotten teary-eyed, whatever that yeah. means. That, yeah. that has but happened. I, I, on a <laughs> weekly basis, cry at films. Sometimes I cry commercials. I don't even know the last time I cried. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> it's been years. Now I'm understanding the nickname, by the way, so much more. So so you didn't cry at that scene in Jerry Maguire where she's just like, shut up. Shut up. Oh, no, I wasn't. that wasn't even close. You don't have a heart. You don't I don't. Have a heart, so it's cool. I have uh, no top soul. Five film dive. Top 5 Film Dive, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your streaming, guys. Uh, check us out on Instagram uh, at the... At top five film dive uh always doing reviews always putting out some content um and then this coming week uh, i'm going to be starting the polls back up uh basically weekly polls just asking everybody uh questions and, and gathering some uh some fun tidbits and so on and so forth cool. so thanks for having me on as uh, as always buddy i love it i love doing this with you so and yeah man for likewise this Tom Cruise one for a while yeah same <laughs> so. uh, well i'll be sure to link your information in the description of this episode but thanks thanks again man for joining me today on this episode it's a lot of fun buddy. thanks so much I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, be sure to tune in for more episodes as the season continues. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to the McNeil and Friends podcast on a platform you listen to podcasts so you can be notified when new episodes are released. If you made it to the end of this episode, congratulations, and once again, thank you for listening. (laughs) 